Hi, this is Cal Post. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Ooh. Did you know that Yuck Yucks can help you raise thousands of dollars for your charity, club, or organization? Just go to yuckyucks.com and click on fundraising. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, Yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch. Thank you for joining me on the Yucky Yucks Comedy Podcast. Man, I am hyped up. I just literally just got back from the Star Wars The Force Awakens movie. And by the time you hear this this episode, it's probably going to be a couple of weeks out. And so I'm hoping I'm not spoiling. I wouldn't spoil anything for anybody, just so you guys know. But... I'm just going to go on the record right now and say incredible, absolutely insane, incredible. Uh, Bravo, Mr. Abrams. Uh, Not a huge sci-fi guy, but of course, Star Wars, everybody grew up watching Star Wars, I would hope. And they only pump these things out like once every 10 years. This thing is projected to make billions and billions and billions of dollars. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how... Every time they release one of these movies, it's a home run. It's knocked out of the park. Absolutely unbelievable show. I recommend if you haven't gone out and seen it, you don't even have to be a Star Wars fan to enjoy this movie. Just go out and check it out. Uh, great, great movie. So lots on the burner. What did you guys think about that podcast last week? Right around the holidays, Steve Simone. What a great, fantastic episode that was. Still blown away. Absolutely blown away by... The amount of generosity that guy has and the amount of, uh, you know, just heart uh, for the people around him and obviously making uh, lives better for two young kids at the uh, Los Angeles hospital, uh, them and their family. So, hey, it's great to be affiliated with uh, with people like that. So thank you very much, Steve Simone, for being a great guest last week. This week, I am absolutely crazy excited because... I mentioned to you guys a little while ago that I had recently gone to Texas. And usually what I'll do if I'm going on a trip down somewhere, if I'm flying somewhere, I load up the podcasts, which I know you guys do. I've gotten a lot of people say, you know, the car ride home when they're on the, you know, the bike at the gym, you know, doing whatever. They'll download a ton of podcasts just to listen to and, you know, have on their phone at a you know moment's notice. So on the way to Texas... I'm thinking of all the shows I'm going to load up in my, you know, all the shows I get to catch up on. I'm a big fan of, uh, of you know, the NPR and Marin, WTF, uh, Rogan sometimes, stuff like that. So I'm thinking of all the shows I'm going to download. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great, man. I get to, like, catch up with all the shows that I miss, I've been missing out on. But then a monkey wrench gets thrown into this entire scenario, and I meet Jonathan Baum. I get to go see Jonathan Baum perform. And we end up eventually meeting up for a podcast episode interview at the condo. And I was late that day. I was running behind. I was flustered. I was like, oh, shit, I got to you know get this done. We're running behind on schedule. And it it's interviews like these. It's just these ones where you feel like you're going to be really rushed or you know, you're constantly fighting the clock for something. Uh, and they turn out to be amazing, amazing interviews. 
So I head over there and make a long story short, Jonathan turns out wrote a book. It's called My Impaired Moral Compass, The The Dismal Failures and Occasional Triumphs of a Misguided Man. And I had a chance to read this on the way down to Texas. Uh, I flipped around. I skipped around on some of the chapters. Uh, even though I don't recommend doing that, I think you should read it right through. But just for uh, you know, time's sake uh, of heading down there, I there was a few stories I just looked at the contents <laughs> page, and I was like, I got to read this story. This one sounds good. Uh, man, I'm telling you, Jonathan Baum, uh, great. <laughs> this is a great book, man. The Alpha Roommate. Uh, some of these stories, just some of the titles of these stories, uh, 10 Tinder dates was, I was just, yeah, I, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. Dynamite, dynamite, uh, book, go check it out, support him as, as well. This is a great opportunity to go out and support a local comedian and, uh, local as in Canadian and, uh, and someone who is, uh, you know, definitely, uh, gifted and talented at the writing form as well as just not just comedy. Uh, very catchy book. Great stories involved. And uh, bravo, man, for your first book. <laughs> that was pretty impressive stuff. We sat down. We talked all about his time as a kid on the road doing an acrobatic show, uh, you know, at buskers, festivals, and, and you know, performing arts. And, and we we go down a rabbit hole. He's a huge talent and a, uh, an amazing up and comer. And, uh, I encourage you to go buy his book right now. I'm waiting. Can we put a link up to this Camille? Can we be dynamite? Jonathan bomb, check him out. My impaired moral compass, the dismal failures and occasional triumphs of a misguided man. But, uh, Hey, you've heard enough from me. Let's go talk to Jonathan bomb. such an arrogance to him that I thought this guy is going to, he's going to pull out some type of a brilliant maneuver at some point during his stand-up oh, set really? and blow everybody away. I but. had no illusions. I knew it was going to be a nightmare from the get-go as soon you as I saw it. that shiny shirt. <laughs> the shirt gave it away. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I man. I saw him afterwards outside, actually. I think he was outside smoking a cigarette or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he was outside smoking a cigarette talking about this new room that he's running and how it's... Uh, oh, really? You know, he's like, oh, I'm just coming here, you know, to practice for my MC role. He's like, just comedy Monday night, no big deal. It's going to be my my new room or whatever. Going to be, you know, running it once every three or four months. It's like once every three or four months. Like, who the fuck? Kind what of kind room? of room is yeah, exactly? <laughs> You're doing a one-off show. Oh my god! How long are you in Calgary for, man? When when are you? Uh, you said you got that. You got a Vancouver gig coming up. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm opening for Godfrey in Vancouver next weekend, and I, I got here on Monday. Did comedy Monday night and a couple of the other rooms. How do you and, like uh, uh, How do you like Calgary? Like you've been here before, obviously, but I haven't been here since I was like ten years old. This are you is my serious? First time doing comedy here, yeah. Really? Yeah, I love it. The scene's great here. I mean, comedy Monday night obviously is like legendary room. Yeah, it's known around Canada as like this legendary room. Um, and then I did Jupiter. Um, what's that place at the Oak Tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Wednesday, and that I've was never great been there too. before. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the like, audience is pretty was super good turnout new. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's packed. Wow. Apparently, it's always packed, and uh, 
young crowd into it. Every, Calgary seems to have a great, great comedy scene, man. It's 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 growing. I mean, obviously, it's not a Toronto or a Vancouver yet, but uh, it seems to be growing quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I judge a comedy scene based on its audiences mostly, right? right like if right. people are coming out to shows and they're into it, it means that scene. obviously the comics are doing something right because they're bringing them back. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and yeah, the audiences are great here. Where do you call call a home? I live in Whistler actually right now. I kind of divide my time between Whistler and Vancouver, but I'm right. I'm trying to grow a little scene in Whistler because it's like. Uh, I, I get a little. I'm a little sick of being on the road. I mean, right. like this is good. This is a two week thing or ten day thing, which yeah. is like perfect. But I did uh, when I first released my book. I did two months in around Toronto and Halifax and all east of there. I think I, I think I read that about you that you released the book and then you went on a two month tour after that or something. Yeah, yeah, and it got pretty daunting <laughs> after two months. <laughs> What's like, that like, man? Because I, I, you know, obviously, I talk to a lot of people that are, you know, that are on the road currently, and uh, they say it very flip, like it's not a big deal. But they're gone from home for like a month, two months at a time, and I'm like, there can be nothing in your life that could be, like, that you that would be very difficult to leave something at home for two months. I couldn't even imagine that. Yeah, well, I mean, I planned for it. Like, I kind of sure. cleared my quit my job and cleared my schedule, but uh, it was weird. It's like you have this dream right it's like this is like my dream to go on tour with this my book that i just wrote and right to stand up and promote it and it's like you know so you like build up these super high expectations and then you're just like these long fucking days with nothing to do <laughs> you know and like the shows like I, the shows are great you know right, when they're right. great but then uh it's a real long you know you got these weeks too and toronto is a hard scene to in calgary they like if you're an out-of-town comic, they're really like, oh, you know, happy to see you because they don't have that many. Yeah. Like, the, the scene's just not that big. It's not that huge a community. In Toronto, like, right. hey, I'm from Vancouver, you know, and I work with the Yaki Yaks. They're like, we don't give a shit. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really hard to... So take. there's kind of like a pecking order then. Like, doesn't matter where you go or, or you kind of fall in line in that totem pole a bit. Yeah, I mean, you. it's really a matter of, like, who you know, obviously. And some sure. people were great. I did get on some great shows in Toronto, right. like the Rivoli and, and all that. But um, but it wasn't, uh, like, I definitely wasn't, like, headlining shows all week long before my weekends at the Yucky Lakes clubs. And, uh, and also, like, in Toronto, there's so many comics that the clubs in Toronto don't put you up in hotels. Right, right. Because right. they're not, obviously, they're not used to it because they're just hiring local comedians sure. so, oh that's right so yeah so like you're i mean i'm couch surfing the whole time and you it's, gotta, it was you not have some friends out there yeah, yeah and it was i did it in fucking february too <laughs> like so it was, and it was, it was like a really cold winter i don't know if you remember last february on the east coast oh, it was yeah. nuts it was, it was crazy horrible. cold yeah so yeah it was uh after two months of that i was like god i don't know if <laughs> <laughs> like being on the road is the lifestyle for me um but yeah, like I enjoy it. Now this trip has been great, like right. ten days. But really, I, I mean, you see these comics in like Vegas, right? Who, sure. uh, and I think that's a bit of like a, a dream gig for a lot of comedians. Kind of like, like a residency of like where they're going to be for a year. Yeah, they stay there, and the and the crowd. It's a tourist crowd, so the sure. crowd rotates, right? It's right. like they don't have to be on the road because they're living in this tourist spot, right? And Whistler, because it's like this resort town, this touristy town. I kind of. I'm hoping I can get like it'll be like my own little mini Vegas. So That's a great just, idea, though. I can just I'm starting to run some shows there. I'm trying to get these bars to let me do a regular thing, and yeah, um, 
I mean, I've, I've, I'm starting to get a, a bit of a reputation in Whistler, I, I think. So that's a great, great town, man. Yeah, Whistler's it's a fun great. town. I snowboard. I'm, I, I know people. You know, I've lived there. I lived there for years before. So it's like uh, that's the perfect setup. Yeah, I've, it's like such a good idea. And if I can just implement it, I can <laughs> just get it off the ground. I will be happy. Uh, <laughs> and it's close. It could happen. So yeah, if uh, if anybody listening comes to Whistler, look out for it. That's awesome, though, man, because I think that there is that, uh, I think at every community, I mean, I live in a town just outside of Calgary called Cochrane, and I put a, I put on a comedy festival out there for the first time, didn't know anything about promoting or, you know, like that type of stuff or whatever, and I, I realized that if you can bring something to them that they can't get there and they don't want to drive three hours to go see, they're going to show up. And especially with that type of a tourist crowd where you have this evolving rotation of people coming in every weekend. I mean, every week. I mean, people are, I mean, that's yeah. a huge tourist town, you know? Yeah, yeah. And people, I mean, I've run uh, a half dozen or close to a dozen shows in the last year there. Right. And, uh, and yeah, the turnout has been really good. People wow. are really into it. Like, it's, uh, there's definitely an appetite for it. And also, I've got, like, a house there. I can put comics up, so I don't feel like blow a budget on yeah. hotels and shit and uh and i know all the like strong comics sure. in vancouver or at least most of them so i can like you know I'm, i can filter out the people with like the good promo packs absolutely from the people that are actually the strong comics which i think a lot of the bars don't know you know if they're right. just having comics come and solicit them for to do for shows. shows and stuff yeah i mean yeah it sounds like you got the perfect uh, the perfect premise before we talk a little bit more about the uh, the scene over there in whiskers i, I want to talk more about that but Let's start back from the beginning, man. I mean, you because you're a BC guy. You were born and raised out in BC. Right? No, no, I was born in Ottawa. Really? Yeah, I grew up in Ottawa. What fucking bio was I reading? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wait, this is in... Steve Simeon, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I do live in BC, uh, but I moved there when I like 13 or 14 years ago. I, I, okay, then I, I was reading that you got the bite for comedy at a young age, right? Like 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. You were really yeah, young. yeah. So, so I. I used to when I was eleven. This is sound going to sound very strange to everybody, but when uh, when I was eleven, I started. I was a like little gymnast, trampolinist. That's what it was. And I uh, there's this. They used to the people I jumped with, like the club. They do these trampoline shows. It was like this comedy trampoline show, right? Where and basically it's like pretty standard show uh, where there's like two or three girls doing like this. circusy stuff on the trampoline and then mm-hmm. there'd be like a clown technician guy who comes in and wants to jump and then he starts falling in the springs and you do this like whole comedy uh like choreographed trampoline routine right wow and uh so when i was 11 the guy who was going to do the comedy broke his leg right and uh and i guess they saw like i was always like this outgoing like funny guy right so they saw like potential in me right but i was so young and then they asked my parents or like like they asked me if i wanted to do it i was like oh yeah and they asked my parents if they'd let me and my parents were super easy going they're like yeah sure get them out, no of, our, way. Get them out of their hair for the summer sure <laughs> they yeah signed off on it, huh? so yeah at 11 i traveled like to these buskers festivals and started Holy doing this shit. uh this comedy trampoline show and it was just it was so much fun but and i think that like I mean, it doesn't seem connected to stand-up, but I did that for years and years, and it's still comedy, you know, and I'm still grabbing the mic, and I'm yeah. yelling at the crowd. And, um, That's crazy. And I think it, it gave me a, an edge up in terms of, like, 
stage presence and just kind of reading audiences and stuff i think wow and especially just like performing period in front of people yeah and, exactly and having the balls to kind of exactly. go out there Get and, in front of as many people crazy. as you can i think if you're trying when to did you start it. getting the bite for the comedy thing as far as do like realizing that this was going to be a profession that you wanted to to start doing full time uh well i mean i i think everybody who's in comedy want has wanted that kind of forever you know it just right. didn't seem like possible for for years and years and I was too scared to get on stage and do stand-up uh, I don't know maybe eight years ago I got up for the first time just did a couple shows it did didn't go that well and then about five years ago uh, my girlfriend and I broke up and I wrote all this stuff about like the breakup right and uh and it was all like it's pretty like personal and like true you know yeah and I went up and I I did it at some open mic and it just got this real good response. Like I remember some guy yelling from the crowd. He's like, "Story of my life, bro! Story of my life!" <laughs> like he's like super relatable, I guess. And uh, no way. And then I was like, "Oh, I guess I can keep doing this." Yeah, that's so, great, man. Yeah, yeah, I was doing my C. I started. I was just starting uh, an accounting career because my girlfriend was a doctor. And uh, Holy shit, you guys are like a power was, couple then. Yeah, well, yeah. she was. And she just finished med school, and I was like, "Fuck, I gotta like." do something here i gotta like do something professional here i'm gonna look like you can't just like let Living her be the breadwinner and look like some chump right she's gonna dump me for a doctor for sure so i got into uh, accounting and then i like started working at uh, this big accounting firm right and uh was working towards getting my ca or cpa now wow and uh and then she dumped me for a doctor no way <laughs> holy shit yeah. So, but I mean, like, I mean, every I think some of the the greatest and the purest forms of raw comedy comes from personal experience, and and if, oh, it's yeah. I mean, cathartic that you can write about that stuff, and actually, you know, probably start that process of being like, fuck, like I can actually start to look at this in a funny way, and it, did that? Did yeah, that, it's, it was, that it's kind like of therapy, I think. At yeah. The time, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. A lot of comics are they start off like that. They start off with some. I think Roseanne Barr said like the first five years of her life was just spilling their guts on on all the horrible relationships and shit that she's had. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I saw you perform on Monday. You talk a lot about you know your personal stuff, your personal life experiences and stuff like that. It's very <laughs> relatable comedy, man. Is that is that a lot of where your comedy comes from? Is this observable, you know, observational things in in life that actually happen to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean. I don't know if I wish I knew where it all came. I wish I had a system and I could just be like, "Oh, this is how I write a joke." Right. And I could, I'd have endless material, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if I look at my comedy, it's all or most of it is coming from real life experiences. Yeah. That just yeah. Uh, that just kind of develop into jokes. Yeah. And then tell me about your uh, about when you first started realizing that this was going to be something that you could do full full time. Well, so I was, as I was saying, I I started doing this accounting career, and uh, and it's kind of like this long process where you work crazy hours and sure. you're always doing like so much testing. It's like, yeah, a grueling uh, process. And uh, at the same time, I started getting up in the evenings and doing stand up comedy. Right. So I was kind of like doing both these developing both these careers at once i guess yeah and uh one super lucrative the other not <laughs> and uh and i when i finished the accounting thing uh kind of that like like i got my accounting designation right and then i got signed to yuck yucks around the same time and uh naturally you pick the the low paying job <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's even more interesting than that i ended up working at this i 
got a job with a startup company and it was just a complete scam. It was a bullshit company. No way. This green, I write, I wrote a story about it in my book. It's this green (laughs) chemistry company that's claiming to do all these great environmental things. No um, way. Like really like bioplastic, you know, bioplastic is like a super stupid, (laughs) uh, you've never, it's such a dumb idea. Like the, just the idea that we're going to grow fields of fucking corn to make cornstarch, to make plastic, don't grow <laughs> plastic like we don't need it's just all so stupid and yeah but like and the worst part it was under this claim of like sustainability and it's right, just like right. and i'm all I'm, and i'm looking at what we're doing and we're just shipping like this shitty plastic from one part of the fucking world to not like just all this shipping and we're like it's just like so clearly not sustainable and just like a bullshit lie. Oh my god! So I so I quit the job, and like the management was so stupid there. I wrote a story about how like just like working there and how ridiculous it was, and like <laughs> right. people, like yeah, like the the CEO would show up to work every day in fucking a full suit with running shoes. It was just, <laughs> I couldn't even fucking it was believe it. Shady operation. I couldn't even believe it. Every like, I'm not oh, a big style fuck. guy, right? You know, like I don't care. Wear what you want, but like, you can't be fucking showing up to meetings, <laughs> trying to ask investors for money in a suit with fucking running shoes. <laughs> and uh, and oh, the funniest man. thing too was then we hired this sales guy right uh, from the states and he came in first day came in like super slick sales guy like suit looking great yeah. and he was kind of around for a couple of days and by the time he left he fucking showed up to work in his suit with running <laughs> I couldn't believe it he's like <laughs> no he must have oh yeah he must have been like oh you know this is this laid back Vancouver culture <laughs> suits and running shoes it's like no it's just you two idiots <laughs> Oh my god, man! My fucking my cheeks are hurting here. <laughs> Holy shit! So yeah, so I wrote this. Uh, I I and I'd kind of already been writing all these stories. I started writing like short stories before I even started doing comedy. Right. And uh, and then I kind of when I got signed with Yuck Yaks, I got the idea I could pop, I could compile all these into a book. Right. And then like go on that book tour. That, yeah. Uh, was uh, so unglamorous. <laughs> and. Um, and then yeah, so and then like with this company, I was like, "Fuck, I gotta!" Like I was, I just have to write the story about this company. It's just so stupid, and it yeah. fit well with the book. So I wrote that, and then I quit the company and and went on tour. And I've just been doing stand up and trying to produce those shows in Whistler since then. But right now, I'm a bit, at a bit of a crossroads. I'm trying to decide. I've got an interview on Monday with uh, with this accounting with this company to do uh, some like the most boring oh, accounting gig man. it's just a three-month contract though right, it pays right. really well so i'm like i don't know they'll probably won't offer it to me but if they do i it's gonna be like that's know, you know that's what a lot of money that's uh it's so funny that that you uh that you bring that up i had uh i had came up initially from the states and i was like you know what uh, i got a couple of brothers here that work in oil and gas and they were like you got to come up man this is the wild west this is the gold rush of oil this you know you, you're gonna get paid to do whatever so I came up and I go to school, and uh, it actually ends up being the worst time to get into oil and gas. The whole economy hits and whatever. But I yeah. get an email the other day from a buddy, and he's a guy I went to school with, and he's like, "Hey man, I've got a job here, and if you want to come and you know it's good paying, and it, you know I could probably get get you on." You kind of you're at these crossroads where you're just like, 
I'm so used to this lifestyle that I'm leading right now where you're, it's not necessarily a hustle, but it is a definite commitment to the unknown. Yeah. And this is very, I know it's going to be a nine to five. I'm probably going to be in a cubicle somewhere and it's going to probably kill my fucking spirit in some way. Yeah. Are you worried about that getting back into the norm? I mean, actually I'm not worried about it killing my spirit because I think I'll, get humor out of that you know like that you can like, probably find something yeah out yeah no the nine to five you know it's like any like all that built up angst and i'm sure i'll be working with a bunch of fucking idiots <laughs> <laughs> i'll be able to write about um so i'm not worried about that i'm more just worried about that like i'm not worried about how it'll affect my comedy career i'm just right. don't want to sit in a goddamn cubicle doing this boring shit yeah for three months, but I don't know. I mean, it's. I can be see hard where that no like, money if they it, offer it to That's me. the thing, right? I mean, there is that. Uh, and the th- the fact that it's just three months, and I'll be able to see the end. That's, that's a like, pretty. That makes it like I, I'll be able to like accept it. Pretty appealing just, thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like someone saying you're going to go to jail on the weekends for three months or something. Yeah, basically, it's like a, <laughs> it's a short prison term, and I'll get a lot of money out of it, and then also it'll feel like. A gap in my resume, you know, like because yeah. I haven't worked it. Like if I do want to go back to accounting, it'll be like, oh look, he, had, like, he, I can just make that seem like it was my a full year's work or whatever, you know. Just write, instead of writing the month on my resume, just 2016 worked for this company. Oh, that's dynamite, man! Do you have any aspirations of going down south? Do you have any like hitting bigger markets? Uh, well, actually. It's funny you mention that because in the book, I also, another story in the book, when I was about six months into stand-up comedy, I was, like, I kind of, I, I felt like I was doing well with audiences. I was getting a lot of good reactions, but I was right. having trouble breaking into the scene. Like, I wasn't getting as much stage time as I wanted. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I was working for the, the accounting firm, and they had this deal where we could take two months off, um, like, in the summer when it was slower. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, They'd pay us like a bit of money to take the two months off. And we were also doing like our online schooling. Right. So I was like, okay, give me those two months off. I'll do my online school and I'm going to go down to LA right. where it's like a comedy mecca in my head. Sure. And I can go down there and, uh, and whatever, see, you know, give this stand up thing a shot. And I did that. I fucking bought this piece of shit car to sleep in, <laughs> drove down and, uh, and LA was just uh, I just did not like the scene there. Was, <laughs> really? Well, I mean, there's so many comedians, right? And like yeah. there's is a lot of open mics and shit, but there's just nobody is coming to these shows. Like it's right. just comics who aren't listening. Like I saw some like I I I recognize I'll see some of the comics that are at these open mics sure. on TV sometimes now. Right. And like we we were all just bombing in front of each other like it was a nightmare like you could not (laughs) figure out what material was working like there was no point to being up you may as well do it in front of a mirror man it was like it was ridiculous like why are we just we're literally just like all sitting there bitter not wanting to laugh at the comedian because laughing at them makes our set feel worse Uh, yeah like in comparison so we would literally just like take turns getting up and ignoring each other. It was so stupid. <laughs> it was so dumb. And then and I remember I came back 
And the day I got back, I did a show, an open mic in Vancouver. Right. Maybe it was a book show or whatever, just in some bar. And uh, and there's probably 15 or 20 people there. And I, and I just had this great set. Yeah. And I was just like... Like it was a better set than any, like a better any audience than any of the audience I born performed in front of for two months in LA. Wow. I was just like, why did I leave? Like this is, but it gave me a new appreciation. You know, it was like for, I could really appreciate a small crowd at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, in terms of going, I would not go to LA unless somebody invited me. Some type of a guaranteed thing. In le- yeah, unless like I had shows lined up, I'm not going to go there. That's and, actually and pretty struggle. refreshing to hear because I've heard a lot of people that have made that trip, and whether it be New York or, or LA or wherever, um, and a lot of people get chewed up and spit out pretty pretty quickly. And it's not because they can't hold their own. I think that there's a lot of great talent that go to LA, but they just can't they can't afford to maintain the life the entire time that they're waiting to get discovered or wait for waiting for something to happen. Yeah, yeah. But no one really talks about appreciating coming back to Canada and, and getting the responses. And because I think that, you know, we've got some amazing crowds here, man. Like we've got yeah, the clubs are here. Into great, it. I mean, the, engageable crowds and yeah. Yeah. There's lots of clubs and people come out and the clubs are doing all the promoting for you. Right. Like I did some fringe festivals too this summer. I did like a one-man show at a at a couple of fringe festivals, and uh, it gave me a new appreciation for the clubs and what they do. You know, like sure. it's yeah. easy to be like, "Oh, you know, they don't pay me that well," but like, yeah, God damn, they're doing the they're doing the work I don't want to do. You know, like, absolutely. I I'm happy to show up and you know get, they're putting me in front of a great crowd with good audio and a like perfect room. Like one of the fringe festivals I was doing. They gave me the venue, and it's this fucking church. This like I asked for a really small room, you know, because right. I was like, I asked for a fifty-person room because I thought, okay, if it's a fifty-person room and twenty people show up, it's going to be small still and intimate, intimate. And it'll still yeah. be good. Yeah. But then it's just they. It's in this fucking gymnasium <laughs> with fifty chairs. I'm just like, this is not. What, and the and then the guy. It's like this weird church gymnasium, and they've got these huge windows. And some of the shows are during the day, so it's like. Oh, natural all this natural light and like you know you want like the blackout like to go blackout before the show so people know the show's starting and nobody fucking even knew the show was starting i just gotta walk out and be like ah hey you guys missed the uh there was an audio cue but none of you guys heard it because you were all talking because nobody shut up because there was no blackout oh my god it was ridiculous (laughs) Oh man, that is, I've heard so many great things. I've heard some huge successes about the Fringe at Festival. People just put on these, you know. Remarkable- yeah, well, I, I think the. I mean, if you do the right ones, like Edmonton, Winnipeg, those are the good fringes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The one I did, tough I'm grinding gonna, it I'm out. I'm not going to talk shit. I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to talk shit about it. But it was not the one to do. <laughs> oh man, you know they always see that the. A lot of the people that I've, I've talked to have said that you know writers are, are the, the the true kings of Los Angeles, the true kings of what happens behind the scenes, and in, just in the entertainment business. Period. It doesn't even have to be L.A. But writers and, and stuff like that, and, and uh, people behind the scenes that, that that write comedy is that is that something that, that that you would look forward to do? I mean, obviously you're, you're gifted, talented at writing. Is that would you consider yeah, that love type to of write. stuff? I mean, I think that I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. There's and they're also kind of the unsung heroes, right? They don't get all the... There's no Oscars for writers. Sure. But um, 
Or I guess there probably is something, but I, I, people don't care about it Maybe like much. screenplay, but nobody ever knows anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They just want the pretty faces. For sure. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to to write. And I've got all these ideas like for screenplays and and stories that I want to write, but it's really hard for me to to finish something without knowing it's going to be produced or without knowing. Like, that's right. why the book was so good. When I finally decided to do... To, to write the book like mm-hmm. I started producing more stories and like really editing my stories and making them a lot better and like right. it was like I had this goal and deadline because I had the tour that I'd booked and it was just like like I, I was really productive and uh and yeah without that deadline or knowing something's going to be produced it's so hard to be it, like yeah like motivate what, yourself yeah or just like what idea do you do you go with you know right. like there's all these it's it's hard to to narrow it down and i i find that that's even just i think in the uh in the industry period i mean i've met so many wonderful people in, in the comedy you know business and everybody's got an idea everybody's got some type of a story they're pitching or, or some type of an idea yeah, that, yeah. and that, people yeah. tell you about them and you're like that is Fucking, fucking great yeah it's brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I know there's so many people are are writing these uh bril- or at least their ideas are brilliant yeah. i mean it's, I, but it's really about the uh um what's the word the implementation or whatever sure. like making yeah. it happen and you know like you need a good if you're doing a screenplay like if your producer and director aren't strong it doesn't matter how strong the writing exactly. is exactly yeah like, nobody what do they say nobody sets out to make a bad movie yeah that's all the shitty movies it's <laughs> definitely true how have you uh how did you find that process writing writing this book cuz let's let's talk about this for a couple minutes here uh this book you put out you said about 10 months ago my impaired my impaired moral compass and it, I was talking to you before uh, before we started the uh, the the show today, man. The cover uh, the cover is fucking dynamite, man. Yeah, I didn't skimp on the on the details. I mean, I knew the. I think the right the writing and it's uh, good, and I paid like uh, I had a great uh, editor who who helped me out a lot, and like I or a couple editors actually, and um, and yeah, like the stories. I didn't rush it or anything, you know. Like I I've been writing these stories for twelve years, so it's right. kind of. Like I, I, and I, it's not a long book. I got rid of any stories that I didn't think held their weight. And it's like, uh, I think it shows when you read it that, uh, that it's like, I tried to just keep the quality like that. You know, the fat Jew that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, aggregator as he calls himself. Like I remember not that long ago, they said he had like his, uh, his book deal or whatever and everybody was all, all these all these comedians were up in arms because he just steals jokes right right and then I was in the bookstore the other day and his book's already fucking out <laughs> it's like how did you write a book what kind of shit did you publish that you already and I just I started leafing through it and I was just right. appalled at how shitty it like I just read a couple pages it's that bad like, oh it was so so painful it's like wow. the reality TV of fucking books <laughs> It's so bad, man. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I and, believe- and I could see that a couple were gone already. Like people are buying it too. It's oh, just yeah. one of those. It's just one of those things that that's fucking horrible, man. That's horrible. Think about. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the picture on the back of the book, and, and I, I implore anybody that uh, to go out and purchase <laughs> this book because the back picture is worth fucking its weight in gold right now. You know, I, need, I look so cool on the front. I was like, I need a juxtaposition I know. Right for the back. I thought I was looking through a window, and the I was like, wait a second, is this is this real time right now? This looks like the Yucks condo in here. Fucking Luberderm everywhere, and uh, Red Bull, and yeah. what a dynamite. Uh, <laughs> 
what a dynamite picture in the back, man. Yeah, and I'm really cool. happy with how it turned out. It's got a nice feel to it and stuff. Like it costs a little more to get like that nice matte finish and the yeah. cream pages and all that. And like I, I was pretty. Uh, I think my book designer must have been pulling his hair out by the end because I was really uh, <laughs> like precise on the details. You know, I wanted to make it look good. And uh, but yeah, I'm happy with how it all turned out. That's amazing. You said that you've gotten obviously a really good response from it as well. I mean, you've yeah, I get some really uh, nice, touching emails sometimes from yeah. people who've read it. I think probably a lot of people who buy it don't even read it just because reading is a <laughs> a chore. But the people that do uh, seem to seem to really like it. Yeah, I get some really really nice emails. That's amazing, man. And and as far as like with the stand up comedy stuff, man, like uh, have you? You got people in this business that you look up to a lot, or, or is it? Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Is it? Do you perform a lot with with people that you look up to, or is it? Yeah, I mean, you... this weekend I'm with Derek again. He's right. got a yeah, a, very a talented watching. guy. Yeah. Oh man, he's hilarious. I was telling you uh, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night we had these um, uh, on the Late Show. There's all these like hecklers just left, right, and center, just drunks and yeah. people like who wouldn't shut up during the show. Some guy, you know, where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Shut Up. Like you should visit Shut Up right now. And uh and yeah, so I had to deal with these hecklers and you know, I felt like I did okay with them or whatever. And yeah. then I got got off stage and I was just like, oh this is like I get to just sit down and watch like right, the, right. the king deal with it. So <laughs> <laughs> it was cool to watch Derek deal with it after me. Oh man! And there is some like have, have you have you worked some rooms where where things just go fucking sideways? Oh, I mean, uh, I think we all have, but uh, I don't know, I don't know if I can think of an example off my. I've heard some great stories of people like charging the stage and, and getting physical and, and uh, oh yeah that hasn't happened to me although some girl not about a, two weeks ago I was in Nanaimo and some girl tried wanted to fight me she stood up in her chair because <laughs> her friend goes these they're just drunk they wouldn't shut up the whole show and right and I said something like oh you know when I'm touring I was to get into a joke and then she's like my friend's touring she's touring next week. I was like, what? Like, what are you... What the fuck do I care? She's like, yeah, she's touring. And then I said... I was just like, oh, what is she, a stripper? <laughs> and then her friend just lost it. She like, she, you don't talk to my friend like that. And like, stood up. No way. It, like promotion. Yeah, and then it's like this real, like, weird... Like, because I felt like she was ready to come after me. <laughs> But I didn't want, you know, I don't, like I'm not going to apologize, right, right? But I don't, and I, like I want to keep digging, but right. it's like real. You got to be careful not to push her to the point where she's going to charge the stage, and I don't know. Then, That's funny, man, because there's a real fine line with that inside comedy clubs. I've seen crowds turn on people, man, like pretty quickly, even if the comedian isn't in the wrong. Like if someone is there disrupting a live performance and they get held accountable for it, there's a certain point where people will fucking like laugh it up and be like, yeah, you know, fuck this chick. And then there's a certain level of line you can cross, a very thin line. Yeah, if you get too mean. Get or, too rough with somebody, man. People yeah, if, will turn. If, well, that's why, for me, the hardest hecklers are, or not I, hecklers, I shouldn't say, but the hardest um, like disruptive audience members are people that are like not so drunk that they're being like they're just disrespectful and right. talking to each other. They're not engaged with the show. Sure. They're talking to each other and they're being quiet enough. 
that they're only disturbing like a small group of people around them right. and most of the audience doesn't hear them so like you on stage you really hear them and there you can see that they're fucking up like this right small you know if you if you don't have the undivided attention of everybody in the room you definitely feel it like you can tell like this one space in the crowd isn't paying attention or is distracted and uh but you know if you attack them or if you like right if you attack them wrong like most of the crowd doesn't even hear them so you just seem like an asshole right or, like right. Or, you like it's you don't know whether to even address it sometimes because you wow. don't want to that's crazy bring man. the whole crowd into it <laughs> what's next up for you man what do you got planned like you said you're you just kind of like kind of doing like a 10-day tour but uh when you when you're out and you know and about in some of these cities, do you a lot of comedians, man? I mean, idle time is a devil's hands. I mean, what do you? There's a long time between show show time and and hanging out during the day. Do you you hang out with friends? You go out? Are there any type of? Yeah, uh, man. If well, in Whistler, it's great because I've got uh, I snowboard and stuff all day. But right. I mean, when I'm in Calgary, I don't. I hang out with people when they got time. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know that many people here, so it's a lot of. Uh, I don't know, a lot of sitting on that couch and <laughs> trying to write and trying to work on jokes, but mostly just farting around and right, right. swiping away on Tinder or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it you're not in a relationship now? No, not currently. Are, but, do you ever, did you send a copy of the book to the ex there, the doctor? <laughs> no. No? I, Say, look at my life Yeah, now. I haven't been in touch with her. I, I don't pretend to act like my life is better than hers now. She's, <laughs> She's married a doctor. I'm sure they're doing just fine. How hard has that been? Have you tried to uh, to entertain relationships being a being a working comic man, being out in the road? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. Uh, I, I just don't worry about it too much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been a while since I had a long term relationship. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. You know, you meet girls, and I just I should probably be more. Uh, compromising <laughs> but I just I don't know I'm not like uh, yeah may, I'll probably get to a point soon that I'm willing to compromise and a little bit uh. put up with these crazy some crazy girl <laughs> shit but I don't know they're all just they're, they're so demanding how is the family supportive of uh, of the uh, of your life in uh, comedy um they're great you know I think after I got my accounting thing they were like it's they're like, look, he's a. We can tell people he's a he's a CA, so he's a, you know, it's this. And we then can tell people, yeah, like I don't have to, you know, I'm not like just doing the comedy or yeah. got that fallback, even if I never do, even accounting. if I'd, even if I'd rather can... be on the streets panhandling than fall back to actually accounting. But the um, yeah, the book actually was funny because I I published my mom's email in the book. She. Uh, I was sending her stuff to like correct, and uh, and she sent me this scathing email about how she's like, you, I don't know what you're doing here, man. You're giving off this impression of yourself like you're this big loser. And she like made really? all these points. Oh yeah, and uh, and I got the email and I was all rattled. And then it took me a few days, and I was like, you know what? This email is actually fucking hilarious. And I published it in the book, <laughs> and then uh, and then so they were all like. I remember my dad one day I was talking to him about it and he was like uh he said uh he was like yeah well you know I uh, I definitely wouldn't publish it I wouldn't I wouldn't do <laughs> I wouldn't do that like you got a CA like you can you got a great career ahead of you like I don't know why you're doing this like it's just like you're potentially throwing it all away and uh and then my mom she has a she's in a book club right 
And my brother's uh, high school friend happened to win the Giller Prize last year. Do you know what the Giller is? No. The Giller is no. the biggest literary award in, given in Canada. It's a $100,000 prize. It's this huge thing. Wow. So my mom uh, showed my brother's friend's book to her book club. And they all read a few pages, and they're like, eh, you know, it's not really for us. <laughs> and then she showed my book to her book club, and they're all like, yeah, yeah, let's read this. Yeah. And then they all read it, and I guess they loved it. My mom sent me, like, some emails that she got. About no how way. Much they liked it. And, uh, and then after that, she was, they've been a little more uh, understanding. A little bit more supportive. Yeah, and, and now I go, you know, I go and I do the yucks in Ottawa. Sure. And, yeah, they bring all their friends out. And, no way. Yeah, and my dad <laughs> brings his work, his work colleagues out, and... I guess one of his work colleagues brought her twenty-year-old daughter, and they were watching the show together. And, right, and uh, and I, apparently my dad spoke to them after, and they did not expect me to be as filthy as I was. I, was, <laughs> I think I did that squirting joke that you heard on off Monday. The top. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah, well. <laughs> you got some. You got you got some great great material, man. And, and uh, I remember sitting down there with uh, with uh, with Hunter Collins and and. Um, couple other comedians there i think albert andrews and those guys were there yeah and i didn't know who you were at the at the first the first i knew the name so when when they announced the name i was like well this is perfect i get to see him perform before we sit down and talk and uh you went up there and you just fucking killed it man i was just oh, so thanks, i was just amazed i was like who is this guy and hunter's <laughs> like that's jonathan bond man he's really good he's really good oh, and good i was yeah yeah man it was a very very incredible set it was really good i came up to james afterwards to james Moore, the guy who uh, for those of you listening who don't know about comedy monday night he's kind of the icon of of you know calgary comedy and the, the yeah, local yeah, scene he really here. built the scene up eh? yeah and just the way that that room is set up and just the way, uh, sorry, I digress for a second. I, I went up to James afterwards and I said, you know, it, it was a great show. All you guys uh, did just amazingly. Uh, but that room is really set up to where I was sitting back thinking to myself, like, you almost feel like you're in some juke joint down in, you know, the Bronx or, or you know, Louisiana. Like just some cool little place that, that's out of the way that yeah, yeah, these little magical places you can go to and see some really phenomenal com- like comedy. Yeah, it's definitely got that feel. I mean, that's what it is, right? It's, yeah. You kind of never know what's going to happen at that uh, at that show. It's one of those rooms where you, like, you're like you going to have some huge names pop in. Absolutely. Some really funny people that you never heard of. Yeah. And then you're also going to get, you know, people in shiny shirts selling insurance, <laughs> <coughs> bending over and spreading their ass cheeks to the crowd. To talk to the crowd. With more arrogance than you could oh, ever imagine man. having. <laughs> no goddamn reason. Jonathan, how can people find you and where can they order this awesome book, man? Uh, if you go to jonathanbaum.ca, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-B-A-U-M.ca. Uh, that's my website. And then uh, if you just Google My Impaired Moral Compass, uh, you should find the book on Amazon. Awesome. Or come to a show. Just come out to a show and I always have them at shows. Beautiful, man. And uh, do you have a Twitter or anything like that people can find you? Yeah, well, I don't, I'm not big on Twitter. I'm trying to tweet more. You got to tweet more. Twitter is at, uh, at the Jonathan Bomb, and then my Instagram is at Jonathan Bomb. Perfect, man. We'll put those links up on the site for people to take a look at. And uh, hey, man, thanks for doing the show, man. Thank you, man. Awesome, brother. All right, folks, and there you have it, the Jonathan Baum interview. What did I tell you? Hilarious guy. 
great guy, and I'm glad we stay in touch. My Impaired Moral Compass, The Dismal Failures and Occasional Triumphs of a Misguided Man by Jonathan Baum. Check it out. Try to put a link up uh, or just Google it. Also, stay tuned, guys. We have some great shows coming up. It's always a pleasure doing these for you, these Dynamite interviews. On behalf of myself, your host, Jake Hirsch, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, and, of course, our webmaster, Camille Sarovi. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.